and we'll pray just one hour, eight o'clock, you're done, you go home and um, do what you need to do. Friday is the Battle of the Burbs. This is, um, uh, we have this uh, flyer that's at the back there, um, or the, let me see, Hurstville, Parramatta, St. Mary's, Blacktown, Liverpool, and a ring in Northmead. And uh, they are going to battle against each other. I want to encourage you, our band, our church is performing and playing. I want to get as many of our church across there as possible to support them. And uh, they, they win by votes. And so it is, a, it is an outreach, and, uh, but we are contributing to that. And so they win by votes. So if we get uh, uh, all, all of us across there and we vote for our band, they'll, they'll win. And they'll do a good job. Okay. Um, also, um, a couple of other things. We have Revival with Pastor Scott Lamb. Uh, we have the flyers on the back table there. do want to encourage you to take just a couple of those each and invite somebody to come out. Pastor Scott Lamb pastors one of our fellowship churches in Las Vegas in America, has a large uh, conference center church, um, and um, uh, will be a tremendous time of revival. He's preaching in the conference uh, and then preaching revival for us. Um, and so uh, to that end, we have very limited opportunities to do some outreach. So uh, we're going to do some outreach next Saturday. It's a Saturday outreach, um, the Saturday before the conference. And um, get some flyers out, invite somebody. But like I've always said, the best form of evangelism is a personal witness. Tell somebody you know. If everybody here took one or two flyers each, gave it to a friend, a family member a neighbor, somebody you know, and brought them. That's better than 20,000 flyers in letterboxes, for sure. So if you could just be conscious of that. Um, also, uh, next Sunday, we have a bit of an international Sunday service. We have a uh, visiting preacher from Fiji in the morning, Pastor John Perry, and uh, Pastor Rodney Lambert in the evening. And so uh, we have an international flavor next Sunday. Uh, I will be here, but not preaching. It's also Father's Day. And so um, want to, um, uh, we want God to be here, we want God to help us, we want you to bring somebody with you. Maybe you know somebody, Fijian person or from Vanuatu or from the island somewhere that may, that may appeal to them uh, or just anybody <laughs> and just invite them and bring them out. Amen. Amen. Uh, also, uh, one I mentioned already a couple of times, but not next week, the week after, is Sydney Conference. And that's a Monday to Friday, Monday night to Friday night. Um, and the conference is at the Bowman Hall in Blacktown. Um, and uh, we have seminars in the morning, Tuesday morning, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and evening services, full services. So for those who have never been to conference before, the evening services are a church service, just like it is here this morning. Um, you, would, you would dress... Uh, nicely and then um, during the day there's seminars and so you could take the tie off and just dress down a little uh, for the morning seminars okay that's all the announcements we want to receive an offering let's give the lord a clap offering as our ushers come today hallelujah god bless the offering all that you want to do in jesus name amen this week essentially is the last week of our six month pledge and uh, we are in that season of putting together my conference offering for Tuesday night. And I have in there just a note. I have at least 15, perhaps 16 now, testimonies of people who have either been, uh, who have been given pay rises, increase, uh, bonus money, um, and some 10, some 20, and some $30,000 
and miracle testimonies of God's provision and God's blessing. And six months ago, uh, I put this little yellow card. I preached on uh, pledge. I preached on what God could do in giving to uh, evangelism, church planting and outreach. And I put this little yellow card on the back notice board and I preached about that. And on the card it says, I will always make God, God's will for my life, my highest priority. Number two, I will always strive to provide a good example to others to follow. And number three, I'll never make any excuses for falling short. And I don't know if you remember, but I asked everybody to take a photo of that and keep that as a reminder. And uh, that was a reminder of um, a, a pledge that we made outside of a financial pledge. Right? And so, but this morning, I want to just encourage you that uh, as we pledge to be that, an example, a testimony, uh, make no excuses for falling short, make that also true of your financial pledge uh, today. As we um, move through this last week, God blessing people abundantly, uh, beyond the expectation, beyond what God, beyond what you think is possible. God moving in that arena, and I have no, I am convinced, sold out, convinced. When you honor God with your finances, whether that's a tithe or whether that's a pledge or whether that's an offering, God sees, God knows, and God blesses that. I want to encourage you this morning: pay your tithes, honor God, honor your pledge as well. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. I wonder if Rob, you pray a blessing on the gift and giver today. Appreciate the good music, uh, singers, song service team today. Amen. Numbers chapter 27, if you have your Bibles. Book of Numbers. And want to believe God out of the narrative between God and Moses. want to believe God to speak to us and help us this morning. Amen. Numbers 27. In the Old Testament, you can open your Bibles there. And hold that, and we'll come back to the text in just a moment. Amen. I was some time ago when, um, uh, you know, this conference flyer comes out, the higher calling. Many of you would have seen these. They're on the back table, back notice board. And so this flyer comes out to advertise our Sydney conference, which is not next week, the week after. And the first time that any of the preachers get notified that you're preaching is when you see this. And so uh, there's no pre-warning, there's no Pastor Walsh calls up and says, hey, um, what do you think? 
uh, you, could you preach and blah, blah, blah. It's none of that. It just appears on the fly and say, so, oh, <laughs> looks like I'm preaching on Friday. And so uh, when I got the flyer and I saw the, uh, the thing, Higher Calling, uh, the theme of the conference is the Higher Calling, uh, and I noticed that I was preaching on Friday, uh, instantly I began to work on a sermon and I r- began to write a sermon about calling and the higher calling. And as I worked through that, I, I essentially finished the sermon and I got to the end of it. And uh, I really felt God inspired me to go in a different way after all that work, actually, to prepare a conference sermon. Um, and so I had it ready. And then I looked at that and I thought, Friday, um, middle section on a Friday. Man, if we haven't heard enough about calling by then, uh, then, then, then uh, well you're going to hear enough about calling by then. And so I thought to myself to go in a different direction, which I'm going to, but I had the sermon, which I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to preach that sermon on the higher calling. And so in a sense, this is my, this is version one of conference sermon. And um, God nudged me to go in a different way, which I'll preach the the other one, uh, 9.45 a.m. Friday morning. Encourage you to be there. Amen. Okay, let me begin. I read a, um, uh, about police in a Spanish city of Huesca. They reported 1,300 sheep just roaming the streets all night long. And the people asked, why are there 1,300 sheep all over the road, all over the gardens, all over the, uh, in, our, in and out our houses in Huesca? A local uh, Huesca police received phone calls from the city residents around 4.30 a.m. on Tuesday alerting authorities that the sheep were walking through the center of town, causing problems, destroying gardens. They were lost and making a mess everywhere. The police said they later found the shepherd asleep. After waking him up, the herder helped the authorities round up the sheep returned them to their pastures, not without receiving a harsh rebuke from the local authorities about being negligent on the job. They said to him, take better care of the sheep or find another job. And so I read that story. This highlights the problem of a sheep being without a shepherd or the shepherd perhaps not doing a great job or being lazy or careless or a casual shepherd and the effect that that has on a congregation. You know, the biblical narrative tells us over and over again that the people need a shepherd. That a preacher, that a pastor is necessary and without that, the Bible says the people or the sheep is the parallel, go astray. Psalm 119, 176 says, the, uh, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And the challenge is this morning, the challenge is getting men to be the shepherd. And there are no shortage of sheep. But a real shortage of genuine shepherds who have a heart for the people and a willingness to fulfill God's will and calling. It was called the higher calling was the theme of the conference. And so I want to preach a sermon this morning. It's called the narrative of calling. And I want to read about that narrative this morning. Numbers 27, 15 to 20. The Bible says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord 
the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. The Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight, and you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Amen. I want to look firstly this morning at the paralysis of fear. I read an interesting story. In 1941, they started using a new technology called the radar. The operator of the radar called Lieutenant Tyler, who was nearby because the operator noticed a massive blip on the screen. And uh, this is, you know, they have the screen and they're detecting things uh, and aware of several planes that were due to arrive at a nearby airfield, Lieutenant Tyler ignored the call saying there is no one else in the office here. I'm busy, so don't worry about what you see on the screen. Well, that was 7th of December, 1941, and the blip on the screen was the first wave of the Japanese planes on their way to bomb an unsuspecting, unprepared Pearl Harbor. You see, to ignore the call is disastrous. So I'm too busy, I'm manning the office on my own, there's nobody else here, it's too difficult, don't worry about it, and many people lost their lives because somebody ignored the call. The same is true in the kingdom of God. God is calling men to an even higher calling, yet many are paralyzed by fear and don't and won't answer the call and won't move forward. One man said, fear is the God that cripples. Fear is a God uh, that when obeyed stops you from filling God's will and calling. But how many know fear never cancels out the call? We don't come to God because we are called. He calls us and we come to Him. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So regardless of fear, regardless of hesitation, the call still remains. You think about the Israelites. Fear is the basic reason the Israelites never ever went into the promised land. They feared the giants. They feared the difficulties, they feared the tasks, the challenges, and they missed destiny. They missed the blessing of the Lord and God's great provision because they feared. However, in saying that, God did meet their need in the desert. To be paralyzed by fear does not mean God will just simply abandon you. You just never get to step into the greatest time of your life. You just never get to step into all that God has for your life. And as a result, the Bible says they suffer. The Bible says others suffer, others go astray because they are without a shepherd. One man said, there's an eagle in me that wants to soar. There is a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. Sadly, there are many wallowing in the mud. In our text... Moses is at the end of his life and his greatest fear 
His greatest concern is who will rise up and who will fulfill God's will and God's calling and become the shepherd of the people. His greatest concern is who will lead Israel after his death. Verse 16, Moses prays to the Lord and says, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. You see, it's the prayer and the cry of every pastor, me included. Lord, raise up men who will overcome their fears and allow God to set them over a congregation. Men who will lay it all down and be willing to pioneer. Men who will be the ones and say, God, I'm willing, I'm available, I'm able, set me over a congregation one day. Verse 17 then outlines the responsibilities of the one the Lord will raise up. Verse 17 says, the man who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like a sheep, like sheep without, which have no shepherd. So he says a shepherd, the responsibility of a shepherd is to fight for the sheep. Is the fight for the people to go in and out from the enemy to protect the people. And the Bible emphatically teaches God calls men to this ministry. We think about this. Amos was called and said so. Something that is greatly lacking amongst men, even in our fellowship and our congregation. Something that is greatly lacking amongst men that will admit God's will and calling for their lives. I wonder this morning, can you say, I'm called and I know it? Amos 7, 14, 15, Amos answered and said, Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of a sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock and said to me, go, prophesy to my people Israel. You see, the idea of admitting calling has almost become a taboo subject. It's that men, many men won't talk about it. They don't want to admit it just in case they are required to do something or are asked to do something they are not comfortable with right now. Or perhaps even asked to sacrifice. Amos said, I was no prophet. I was not even a son of a prophet, just a, just a shepherd, even just a fruit grower. But then the Lord got hold of me, he basically says. Then the Lord got hold of me, spoke to me, and I obeyed. There's a powerful revelation for us this morning. That's Amos. This think about Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 8, then, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. What do we say? Send him. Isaiah said, send me. And again, I pray, God, give us men who would respond like that. The problem is far too often we say, Lord, here am I, send him. I don't want to do it. Let somebody else do it. And men live their lives in great fear and great frustration. Think about Jeremiah's account of his call was also powerful. Ezekiel is the same. Jesus called the twelve. The call of Paul is perhaps the most famous and most classical of all. He said, necessity is laid upon me. 
and many thousands since have been known to have a similar compulsion. So I ask this morning, what about your calling? Remember, the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because many don't and won't do the will of God in their lives. I want to look secondly at the principles of progress. So here we understand the Bible says, many are called, but few respond. And I believe that there are men in our congregation that perhaps you are even wrestling with or struggling with that calling. Some people don't want to admit it. Others admit it, but have not done anything about it. For others, for some people, it's something in your future. It's always interesting to me that I see young men, they say they feel called, want to do something for God, then get married. And the reality of that calling then is, a, is somewhere on the back burner, in the distant background of life. So my aim today is to help you make that election and calling sure. And I want to do that by helping you understand, and I've mentioned this before some time ago, but that calling has a three-part narrative for every person. And many people fret and struggle over the idea of calling by God, called to a ministry, and especially uh, various ministries, not restricted to a pastoral ministry and pioneering. Now text, verse 18, the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Or in other words, anoint him, ordain him for the ministry, and then make him a shepherd over the congregation. It's interesting that Joshua had no qualifications for this. He had no uh, resume. He had no qualifications for this other than the anointing of God was upon his life and he proved himself to be a worthy or a man worthy of honor for this ministry. I want to help men this morning to overcome this fear and rise up to this calling. And a couple of things worth noting. Number one is that we should have more men called than those who are not. Again, we should have more men who are called than those who say they are not. God saved you here for a reason. God knows our fellowship. God knows what we do. And God brought you here for a reason. Number two is you have to understand every pastor on the face of this earth has wrestled with the idea of calling at some point. So you're not alone. So there's a three-part narrative for every person who is called. Number one is you will have an encounter with God. If you're a man, you have a sense of some sense of calling, you will know that you know that you've met with God at some point in your life in some way and not necessarily a lightning bolt from heaven not uh, something perhaps so unusual or out of the normal routine of life but it comes in the general routine and conversation of life i can remember years ago working as a school teacher and as a disciple feeling called and wanting to preach the gospel wanting god to help me do that but i was feeling less and less like I want to be a school teacher and more and more like I want to be a full-time pastor. And it was the ongoing tension every day. I can remember going to work saying, you know what, I really don't want to do this. 
I really want to be a pastor. I really want to, I don't know how it's ever possible to somehow be full-time in ministry is the ongoing tension. And in that, I realized this is God's calling for my life. See, Moses is out tending sheep and he has an encounter with God. Think about this. Gideon is threshing wheat and he has an encounter with God. Peter is out fishing and has an encounter with God. Paul is on his horse. And so in the normal routines of life, calling comes. Then these encounters that we have with God, they're usually confirmed then in the house of God in a sermon, in an altar call, a conference, and then you know that you know that you called, and then it's your responsibility to do something about it. So the second part of the narrative is it's always followed by objections from the person who is called. Exodus 3.11, Moses said to God, Who am I should, that I should go to Pharaoh, or that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Uh, Moses said, Why should I have to do this? So he knows that he knows. He's had an encounter with God. He knows he has a sense of God's calling on his life. And Moses says, why should I do this? Or in other words, he said, I don't want to do this. He objects. Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. Have you spoken to your servant? But I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. More excuses common to all of us people say i'm not ready i haven't developed enough yet i'm not a good speaker but because of my job or my money or my house my study my time my lack of knowledge they're all excuses and i think about moses he gave all those excuses but god still wanted to use him God called Gideon to fight the Midianites and he had a similar response. Judges 6.15, so he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Or in other words, I don't want to do this. Lord, surely there's another family you can pick on. Surely there's someone else you can choose. I'm the weakest. I'm not good at this. I don't need to do, I don't want to do this. And then we read about Jeremiah follows the same pattern in his response to calling. Jeremiah 1, uh, 6 and 8. Then he said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am but a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And so excuses. So we get back to our text. Joshua is commissioned to take over from Pastor Moses, become the pastor of the church. He's going to be the one set over congregation. And in God's wisdom, five times in the book of uh, Joshua, and 11 times in total, God says, be strong and courageous. Because God knows we are prone to objections and weakness. All of these men are called but initially objected to that calling and wrestled with it and struggled with it. Which is all part, listen, it's all part of the narrative of calling. And then the third part is you recognize God has a promise for success. Yes, God calls you. 
Yes, you may object to that, but God has a way to get you across the line, which is a promise of success. Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, Joshua all had to come to the conclusion God's promise of success and help and covering is sufficient. Don't make a mistake. He, did, he never said easy. Not easy, but sufficient. And because of that, they would obey and respond to God with a yes and amen. And God gave them the promise of success. See, God's promised land, victory, dominion, people, nations, it's still true today. God has a promise of success for those that will do His will. Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, Joshua, all who felt it was beyond them, all who felt that they had to have excuses All of them, God gave them powerful words and influence beyond their abilities. Jeremiah 2.1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. God's promise of success is in the task and it came to pass. In our text, the Bible says Joshua is filled with the Holy Ghost. He's anointed and ordained on Friday night of conference. The Bible says... He's imparted with the authority of God. And from that point on, he walks in the promises of God to successfully lead the people. And so I want to look thirdly this morning at the power of agreement. And maybe we could just turn one of those heaters off at the back, please. The power of agreement. In our text, Pastor Moses, he hears from God to appoint Joshua. And Joshua agrees. The critical element to church planting. And I have, a, you know, well, you, you know, I have a heart to plant churches. I want to plant uh, churches into this entire uh, southern region of Sydney, eastern southern region of Sydney. We can take this area for Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's one thing for me to have a heart to do that. It's another to have men who will agree to God's calling on their lives. And see, I want to bring some balance to that. You don't get ready in one week of conference. You don't get ready in one sermon. It should take some time. Joshua, the Bible said, had proven himself in battle. He was loyal. He was faithful. And the Bible says the Spirit of God was on his life and uh, uh, the power of agreement was enacted. And this morning, it's between God and you. And let me just throw in there, God, you and your pastor. And our text says, bring him up on the platform and let the pastor lay hands on him and anoint him. That's what we do Friday night of conference. Verse 20 says also, give him some authority. And in that authority, it commanded the people to obey him. The one question I'm often asked is how do you know that you're called? Well, I'm glad you asked that this morning. I want to settle that for every person that's wrestling with calling and making up excuses this morning because all men, all men are called in some way or another to some ministry or another. God never, ever, ever gave anyone permission to sit and do nothing.